What's up, everyone? Dustin Bass here with just a quick little request. If you enjoy our podcast, could you do us a huge favor and leave us a rating and a review? The reason we ask you to do that is because when we get more ratings and reviews, more people are able to find the show. So if you're enjoying the content that we're putting out, we would greatly appreciate if you helped spread the word. So leave us a rating, leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Thanks so much. And let's get on with the show. All right. What is up, everyone? Happy mid-November. I am Dustin Bass. And where's Alan Joaquin? Where, oh, where is Alan Joaquin? Well, Alan is actually going to show up in a pre-recorded session. This is going to be his show. This episode is all his. I'm just here to give you a brief introduction, give you a quick uh, book and movie recommendation. It's funny that he has his book and uh, recommendation in his pre-recorded because it's actually the book that I was going to recommend. So I have to recommend a different one. Uh, this is a conversation. Well, it's actually a talk on the landing of the Mayflower. So the whole Plymouth colony, everything, all the information that you need to know is going to be discussed in this episode via the great, the wonderful, the all-wise, the all-knowing Alan Joaquin. But before you get started on that, my book recommendation, Pilgrim's Progress, written by John Bunyan. I highly recommend this read. If you haven't read it, go read it. Um, And I think that there's a children's edition that's much shorter Uh, You can check that out for your kids. You can do as we all did before everything got dumbed down. uh, Have your kids read the full-fledged edition. My movie recommendation is actually not even a movie. In fact, it's not even a TV show. I highly recommend, if you have not done this, to go sign up for Hillsdale College's online courses. You you, You get to do these for free, right? These are great courses They've been doing them for a number of years, and they've only gotten better and better and better. Uh, The past couple of years, the the online courses that they've been putting out have been absolutely stellar. Not just from the perspective of the professors and the the content, but how it's presented uh, video-wise. It's extremely high quality. Um, so it really is, uh, they've done such a fantastic job. Dr. Larry Arn out there in Michigan has done such a stellar job as the president of that college for, I know over a dozen years. So he's just doing great. Uh, so yeah, check that out. And it is the online course that I am referencing is called land of hope. It is based on the textbook written by Wilfred McClay. Um, so go check that out. Take the online course, and it's going to be fantastic, I can I can guarantee you. So, all right, without further ado, here is Alan Joachim to take you through something that happened 400 years ago this year. So today, we are going to be discussing the 400th anniversary of the Pilgrims, the Mayflower, and Thanksgiving. Uh, that's right, uh, 1620 was when the... Pilgrims landed in what is now known as Massachusetts in the uh, Plymouth area. Now, before we have this discussion, there's a couple things that we need to kind of clear up, and this is the big one. Back in those days, the English used what was known as the Julian calendar. So the dates are going to be a little mixed up. Now, of course, today we use the Gregorian calendar. 
So what we're going to have to do is kind of explain this part a little bit real quick. Uh, but before we do, uh, book and movie recommendations. Okay, now book recommendations, I'm going to name two of them. Uh, one of them is called Of Plymouth Plantation, and that is by William Bradford. Uh, William Bradford was the second governor of Plymouth Colony. Uh, the other book is called Mayflower by Nathaniel Philbrick. Uh, a very good story that uh, we're going to kind of follow along what they did. It, it, it starts from prior to uh, the Mayflower voyage, and it pretty much ends around what was known as King Philip's War. Um, we're going to try to do the same thing uh, if we have enough time. So uh, those are the two books that I am going to recommend. Uh, now, in terms of a movie uh, review. Uh, I'm actually going to suggest The Brady Bunch, uh, episode four, season two. It's called The Un-Underground Movie. Now what that is, is uh, Greg Brady, the oldest son, um, is assigned in his history class to do a home movie presentation of the first Thanksgiving. Um, it's a pretty funny episode. Uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, now, yes, granted, the um, I was at Bobby and Cindy are dressed up as Indians, and surely this will offend uh, some of our left-wingers, uh, left-wing friends who feel it would be cultural appropriation, but hey, it's a funny show, so watch it anyway, in spite of who's going to be offended. Alrighty, now, The Pilgrims, The Mayflower, and Thanksgiving. Now, as I, as I mentioned, the... Um, the English were using what was known as the Julian calendar back in those days. So the dates are going to be a little confusing. Now, what happened was, um, you know, um, Julius Caesar, uh, he started the Julian calendar back in 46 BC. Uh, but Pope Gregory XIII in 1582, uh, he had been informed that they, you know, they needed to adjust the calendar uh, be, uh, you know, they needed to reduce the length of the average year from 365.25 days to 365.2425 days. Uh, don't ask. This is how, I don't know how they came up with this, but they did. And so we, we then uh, started having what was known as the Gregorian calendar. Um, it, what it did at the time, it, uh, it advanced days, um, you lost 10 days. So if it was January the 1st, then the next day would be January the, uh, I think it would be the 11th, 11th or 12th, I don't know, but it, you, lo you basically lost 10 days. So I'm going to assume it's either the 11th or the 12th, but, uh, I'm going to say the 12th, but anyway, so. Um, now, here's the thing, is that, that the Catholic nations, because they followed the Pope, uh, such as Spain, France, Poland, Italy, and some of the Catholic low countries, um, now they adopted the Gregorian calendar, but uh, some of the Protestant nations did not. Uh, Protestant nations would be, uh, what's important in this discussion, would be England and the Protestant low countries. Now... The pilgrims were living in the Protestant Low Countries at the time. So, yes, because England and the Protestant Low Countries were still using the Julian calendar, they had not yet adopted the Gregorian calendar, 
um, the dates again are going to be messed up. Now, what was known as the Netherlands, they did switch to the Gregorian in the year 1700, and England switched in 1752. Uh, but uh, for this discussion, the pilgrims were using the Julian calendar. So, all right, so let's move on. Now, uh, at the time, and now this is important, I know you might get uh, like going, why are we discussing religion? But yes, it is important. Now, uh, let's talk about the Christian church in Western Europe and the Reformation. Now, you know, at first, we're not going to talk about like the Greek Orthodox. Uh, but you had the Roman Catholics, and then Martin Luther began the Lutheran Church. And then, um, you know, we had uh, the Church of England, uh, because uh, Henry VIII wanted to uh, divorce his wife, Catherine of Aragon, but the Pope said no. So, um, yeah, so that wasn't, uh, King Henry VIII did not care for that. Um, so he formed his own church. Um, and that was known as the Anglican Church in England and the Episcopal, what is now known as the Episcopal here in the United States. And then you had the Calvinists, which was started by John Calvin. Now, the Calvinists, you had uh, the four main ones were the Puritans, uh, also known as the Congregationalists. Um, you had the Baptists, the Reformed Church, and then the Presbyterians. Uh, the Reformed and the Presbyterians were about the same. It's just that the Presbyterian were in Scotland and mainland Europe was the uh, Reformed. Now, the uh, Puritans, uh, they did not really get along too well with uh, uh, the Church of England, and that includes uh, Queen Elizabeth and King James I. Now, there was uh, a law that was passed. Um, it was known as the Act of Uniformity, in 1558, but it was passed in 1559, a year after uh, the Catholic Queen Mary died. Um, it, 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 it caused a lot of problems for the Puritans and the, and the Brownists, and we'll, we'll talk about the Brownists. The Brownists are the pilgrims. Um, the Puritans were known as dissidents. They wanted to purify the Church of England, which is why they were called the Puritans. Now, the dissidents, now that, they were known as the dissidents. Now, the separatists, that was the pilgrims. And we'll, we'll get into a little bit more of their history here in a bit. Uh, but what you need to know is, is that the British passed laws. Um, now, in 18, 1534 was when Henry VIII split from Rome, and he became head of the Church of England. Uh, you had to be a Church of England member if you lived in England. Uh, you had to use what was known as the Book of Common Prayer of 1549, um, now, this is before the King James Version of the Bible came out in 1611, but they were using the Book of Common Prayer, and they still do, from my understanding. Uh, you had to go to church once a week or face a 12 pence fine or penalty. Um, now, you also had the Religion Act of 1592. Uh, it, it imprisoned those over 16 who didn't attend the official church, and it imprisoned those who attended attended unlawful religious meetings. That would include the separatist slash pilgrim meetings. Uh, separatism was considered treason and you could be imprisoned, banished, or even executed. Okay, now, um, you need to know also the difference between what a Puritan was and what a pilgrim was. Now, the pilgrims were the ones who landed the pilgrims are the ones who landed in Plymouth Colony. They're the ones who landed in 1620. The Puritans were the ones that landed around the Boston area, and they created Massachusetts Bay Colony. 
Uh, Puritans followed John Calvin, who died in 1564, and the Pilgrims followed Robert Brown, who died in 1633. Uh, as we had mentioned earlier, the Puritans were dissenters. Uh, they wanted to purify the Church of England. Um, now, they arrived in Massachusetts Bay, um, really settled around 1626. There were some who came earlier, um, but 1626, they settled near Salem. Uh, but the big one was in 1630 when uh, John Winthrop showed up with a bunch of ships and he became the governor there. Now, the pilgrims, those were separatists. They wanted to separate from the Church of England. Uh, again, they created Plymouth Colony, and they landed in Plymouth in 1620. Um, uh, William Bradford, as we had mentioned, was one of the, uh, he was like the second governor. So um, now they both used the Geneva Bible. So very important. Um, and again, we will discuss the Geneva Bible as well as the differences in the religion. Okay, pilgrims. Um, now a Reverend John Robinson. Uh, they had had enough of uh, of uh, Queen Elizabeth and King James I, so they departed for the Netherlands in 1607. Um, now, the Netherlands was a religiously tolerant nation. Um, England was not. Uh, now, the Netherlands, now, now they went and they settled there, the, the pilgrims did, and they found, they found freedom. But they were losing their English identity, and even though the Netherlands was religiously tolerant. It wasn't English. So when they heard about the New World, they're like, hey, you know what? Why don't we, why don't we go and you know, create a colony where not only will we have a religious freedom, but we can keep our English identity and not turn into, uh, into, the, into Dutch. Now, also, the Netherlands was in the middle of an 80 years war with Spain. So there was uncertainty. At the time, there was a truce, truce but... Um, the truce was about to end and the, uh, the war with Spain was about to restart. Yeah, 80 years war. That's not as long as the 100 years war, but uh, 80 years war is still a very long war. So now, a Robert Cushman and John Carver, uh, what they did was they went to London and they secured a patent in 1619 um, so that they could have their colony in North America. Uh, now, John Carver would end up becoming the first governor of Plymouth Colony. So the, uh, the pilgrims, they left for the New World, um, uh, again, to, so that they could keep their English identity and their religious liberty. Now, the whole church congregation was supposed to make the trip, but didn't quite work out that way. So they left Leidner in Holland for England. Um, again, we mentioned all pilgrims were supposed to make the journey, but only 50 of them were able to make the trip. Now, that's only about one-sixth of the entire congregation. So uh, they, they uh, got aboard two ships, the Mayflower and the Speedwell. Um, so the 50 pilgrims, there are 102 passengers altogether. Um, but what had happened was is that the Speedwell, now some people think that it was intentionally sabotaged because, you know, the, you know, the Dutch also wanted to have their own little colonies there. And we'll talk a little bit more about that too because it's very important in terms of where the... Where the uh, the, the pilgrims landed. So uh, the speedwell was fitted with very large, tall masts. Now with masts of that size, it caused a strain which led to leaks. And, and that's exactly what happened to speedwell. So the speedwell had to go back and um, pretty much they couldn't fix it. And so th not only did that delay the voyage, but it also meant that everybody had to kind of climb into the Mayflower. So 
Yeah, so it was now down just to the Mayflower. And again, you know, there was 50 passengers of the church out of a total of 102 passengers. So now here's where the, uh, the confusion is going to be in, re in regards to the Julian and the, and the um, Gregorian calendar. Now we're going to use the Julian calendar dates except for when it landed. And I'll, I'll, I'll explain why. It's, it's going to be like this. According to the Julian calendar, they landed on September the 11th of 1620. But because of the Gregorian calendar, um, the anniversary will be September the 21st. So that's why we have to kind of go back and forth. And that's why we mention the Julian and the Gregorian calendar and its history. Now, according to, um, you know, like William Bradford was one of the, uh, was one of the guys that uh, wrote a story, wrote, wrote the history of the voyage. So he said that they left at September the 6th, 1620. That's when they departed Plymouth. Again, that's according to the Julian calendar. Now, you know, it was uh, kind of wintry weather. Um, they, it, although it wasn't the winter yet, it was still the fall. But, the, you know, the Atlantic at that time was not a good time to, uh, to go sailing. So they, they got hit by storms. Uh, in fact, one of their guys, uh, John Howland, he felt he was kind of washed overboard. But fortunately for him, he snagged a rope. It was called a topsail halyard. Um, had he not grabbed it, he would have been lost at sea with no chance whatsoever being rescued. But luckily for him, he, he was able to grab onto the rope. Now, after uh, the 64-day voyage, uh, the Mayflower did reach Cape Cod on November 9, according to the Julian, November 19, according to the Gregorian calendar. Um, they, they, did, uh, they did look around and... Um, place was deserted. The whole area was deserted. They, they, they didn't understand quite yet at the, at the time why the whole area was deserted. Um, there, there were no residents. Now, there was a Samuel D. Champlain who uh, had uh, visited the area a few years earlier, and he, he drew maps and talked about so many settlements. But right as of right now, there was nobody there. And we'll explain that here in a bit. Um, now, during the voyage, there was one, one passenger and one crewman who did die. Um, there was one child that was born during the voyage and one born while anchored uh, before they uh, uh, departed for uh, what became the town of Plymouth. Now, when they landed, uh, William Brewster, uh, he, was, he was the preacher and, the, and, the, and an elder. Uh, he read Psalms 100 um, to give thanks for their uh, safe voyage. Um, they, they, did, uh, they did look around, and um, finally on what was known as November the 11th, for the Julian calendar, July, November 21st, the Gregorian calendar, they anchored at Provincetown Harbor. They figured, okay, this would be a good place to, uh, to drop the anchor. So that was, again, November the 11th, also November the 21st. Now, before they got off the ship... Uh, 41 of the males signed what was known as the Mayflower Compact. Now, the purpose of the Mayflower Compact was really to bind everybody to work together. Um, the reason for the Mayflower voyage was so that they could create a settlement. So in order for the settlement to work, everybody had to work together. They couldn't have people just go off into different directions. So before they could get off the ship, they had to bind themselves together. Uh, the Mayflower Compact said, In the name of God, amen. We, whose names are underwritten, the loyal subjects of our dread sovereign 
Lord King James, by the grace of God of Great Britain, France, and Ireland, King, Defender of the Faith, etc. I think that's etc., but it says, uh, having undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith and the honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia, do by these presents solemnly and mutually in the presence of God and one another covenant and combine ourselves together into a civil body politic for our better ordering and preservation and furtherance of the ends aforesaid. And by virtue hereof do enact, constitute, and frame such just and equal laws, ordinances, ordinances, acts, constitutions, and officers from time to time as shall be thought most meet and convenient for the general good of the colony, unto which we promise all due submission and obedience. In witness thereof, we have hereunto subscribed our names at Cape Cod, the 11th of November, in the reign of our sovereign, Lord King, James of England, France, and Ireland, the 18th, and of Scotland, the 54th, Anno Domini, 1620. Now, here's the thing. The, um, now, they, there was a thought that maybe the Dutch had sabotaged where they were to land. Um, now, there was a um, Christopher Jones, who was the English um, captain, but um, the Dutch wanted to settle in what was known as uh, what ended up becoming the Hudson uh, and create New Amsterdam. So there was a belief, uh, and I've, I've read this um, speculation, that uh, they intentionally didn't land in what later became Manhattan, New Amsterdam, that they ended up at, uh, at Cape Cod. So that's just something some historians state. So, um, yeah, so there, there was that. <laughs> now, Christopher Jones, uh, because he was an official Englishman, he had to bring the King James Version of the Bible, which was um, published in 1611, and the, uh, the pilgrims brought the Geneva Bible. So those are the two Bibles that were brought over. Now, they did land, they did, they did look around, but they realized that that was not a good place to settle. But they didn't see anyone. They knew there were people there. They knew the Indians were watching, but the Indians did not come out to greet them. Now, what they decided was that the first governor was going to be John Carver. Um, now, he died the following spring in 1621. Uh, William Brewster was, again, the preacher and senior elder, and Captain Miles Standish would, uh, uh, he would head the militia, uh, be the military advisor. So they looked around and they, they didn't find that Provincetown Harbor would be a good place to settle. So they departed Provincetown Harbor on the 15th of the Julian and the 25th on the Gregorian. Uh, from here, we'll just stick with the, uh, the Julian calendar. So they, just, they departed on December the 15th. Um, now they were slowed by headwinds and um, they were able to reach Plymouth Harbor the following day. Um, now, they were debating on where to settle. Uh, they explored a couple of areas like uh, Clark's Island and what is now known as uh, modern-day Kingston. But they were like, you know what, this area is not going to be a really good place for us to defend ourselves in case of a Native Indian attack, Native American attack, the Indians. So uh, they settled in an area where they found this very large rock, and that would be known as Plymouth Rock. Uh, they realized, hey, you know what, there's a 165-foot hill right by the beach. Uh, there's a uh, brook nearby. 
so they're like this would be a much easier place to uh, defend ourselves so that's where they landed there again there was a big rock there it became known as Plymouth Rock and it's still there so now it took about three days of exploring before they decided to uh, to uh, park it there uh, which is what they did on December the 20th. Now, uh, 20 people came ashore and they stayed that night. Uh, following day, storms had battered the area, including the Mayflower. And the uh, Mayflower is starting to become more of a hospital ship because many people had died of colds, fever, and scurvy. Uh, when the storms ended, um, they, they started building along what became known as Coles Hill. There is a cemetery um, uh, right in that area. Um, there was a fort that was built on top of the hill. It was known as Fort Hill. And um, the name, I believe, came from a guy named James Cole who owned a tavern there uh, after 1633. But, but yeah, if you ever visit modern-day Plymouth, you'll see the hill, a uh, very big hill, and uh, overlooks the rock. And, uh, yeah, there's a cemetery right there up on the top. Now, that winter was very brutal. Over half the people died that, uh, that winter. Now, we had mentioned that the whole area was kind of empty. Well, they landed in, in a, uh, a town called Patuxet. It was, or it was a former Patuxet village, uh, which is where they settled. Now, what had happened was that uh, around 1616, between 1616 and 1619, you know, a plague had wiped out the, uh, the Indian settlements of what now became known as New England. Um, they don't know if it was you know, like the bubonic plague, typhus, or smallpox. Most likely it was smallpox. But uh, they think it came from some of the um, fishermen that were, um, that were fishing off of like uh, Maine, Massachusetts, Cape Cod. Um, they don't know for sure. Uh, there were, in many cases, there were no witnesses uh, to, you know, to talk about where it came from or what happened because everybody was dead. So, and again, you know, we mentioned the map of Samuel de Champlain. Champlain, his 1605 map showed a lot of settlements, but they were all gone. So, yeah, so the whole place, they were expecting someone to greet them, but nobody greeted them. Uh, so now on February the 17th, uh, while they were having a meeting, two Indians, finally two Indians were seen. And they were seen on what, known, what was known as Watson's Hill, which is kind of to the southwest of... Uh, of where they settled. Um, there was, there's a little brook known as Town Brook that you would have to cross. So Miles Standish and Stephen Hopkins did cross the brook. They waved and then, well, they laid, they had a musket. They laid it down on the ground and tried to walk up the hill to greet the Indians, but the uh, Indians just kind of took off. Um, when they disappeared, you could hear a whole lot of them chanting. Uh, they could be seen. I'm sorry, they could be heard, but not seen. So they, uh, the pilgrims feared an attack. So they went back to, and they fortified the, uh, the town. Now, who were these Indians? Uh, they go by a couple of, a couple of names, uh, Wampanoag and Poconoket. Um, now, these Poconokets were affected by the plague. Uh, they lost quite a few men. Now, their leader, or sachem, was a man named Massasoit. Uh, now, he had been watching and observing the pilgrims without communicating with them, but he realized at some point, you know what, we're going to have to communicate with these people. They knew of the English. There was already a settlement, uh, uh, 1607, in what became known as Jamestown. And a lot of English had come and go, but, you know, no settlements, uh, settlements had taken place. Um, 
there was one Englishman um, by the name of Thomas Hunt. Now he he kidnapped a bunch of uh, of uh, the people who lived in the Patuxent area. One of those men, his name is Squanto. Um, now Squanto, um, like I said, him and many others were kidnapped by this Englishman named Thomas Hunt, and he was sent to Spain. Ended up in England. He learned how to speak English fluently. Now, he was absent when his village was wiped out by the plague. Um, so that's he was one of the last, if not the last, of the Patuxets. Um, he did convert to the Christian church. Um, he did die in 1622 from a fever. Uh, some say he may have been murdered. And became very close friends with William Bradford. But, um, he was, but Thomas Hunt was one of the famous Englishmen who had been in the area. Uh, so again, the Indians didn't know who these Englishmen were. So now, um, now Massasoit sent uh, a man named Samoset. This was on March the 16th uh, to go communicate with the pilgrims. So on March the 16th, he approached. The uh, pilgrims saw him and uh, they, they got ready. They weren't sure what was about to happen. They didn't know what Samoset's intentions were. So, uh, but Samoset just kind of walked up to the pilgrims and he said in plain English, Welcome, Englishman. Wow, somebody from this part of the world speaks English. So they greeted him and they talked with him. And uh, now he didn't speak his English, his English wasn't as fluent as Squanto. So now Squanto was a prisoner of, Sam, of uh, Massasoit, but he decided, look, because we really need to know the, who these Englishmen are, he allowed the captive Squanto become the ambassador. Again, he was very fluent in English, better than Samoset, and he spoke the, the language Massachusetts, which is what uh, Massasoit uh, spoke. Um, now Squanto did try to undermine Massasoit's leadership. Um, again, he was an enemy of Massasoit. And uh, it would cause some tensions uh, between when, when, when uh, Squanto became allies with William Bradford, his very presence became, grew, there were tensions that grew between uh, William Brad, Bradford and Massasoit because of Squanto. Uh, you know, we, we think Squanto may have been murdered uh, in 1622, but, uh, and there would be problems between Massasoit and the pilgrims because of Squanto. Now, there was another, another Indian um, by the name of Habamak. Now, he was very loyal to Massasoit, and he became a rival to Squanto. Now, Habamak became friends with Miles Standish, while Squanto was friends with William Bradford. Um, now, he and Miles Standish would make a name for themselves because there was... Uh, now, there was another uh, colony. Uh, it was a, a Puritan colony uh, further to the north, known as the Wessagusset Colony. Um, now, they were being attacked by uh, a guy named uh, Pexut. Um, Pexut had had a run-in with Stand Miles Standish before. So those two did not like each other. So Pexut was, was pretty much attacking a, the Wessagusset uh, colony. Well, Miles Standish and Habamok went up there, and they pretty much wiped out uh, Pexut and his men. They... they they murdered him in a tent along with a couple of other people, stabbed him with his own knife, and then declared war on the uh, on Pexut's people. Um, now, this was with the blessings of Massasoit. Massasoit did warn them about uh, these guys. So there was no bad blood between Massasoit and, uh, 
and the uh, pilgrims because of this attack. But it, it did strengthen um, the reputation of the pilgrims um, in general and Miles Standish in particular. Uh, they have, the Indians around the area realized, hey, you know what? We cannot mess with the uh, pilgrims because they will kick our butts. So that, that again helped out their reputation. So now on, on um, sometime they think between March 22nd and April 1st, John Carver, the governor, and Massasoit signed a, uh, a peace treaty, one of mutual protection treaty that lasted until what later became known as King Philip's War in 1675. And we'll talk about that. Now, uh, uh, Massasoit was enemies with the Narragansetts that were on the other side of uh, Rhode Island. Um, Now, the Narragansetts were not affected by the plague. It did not hit them. And so they were a pretty big group. So Massasoit used to be a very powerful leader, but he lost a lot of power because of the plague. Uh, Now, April to the 21st, Carver died. William Bradford became the new governor. He's the one who wrote um, of Plymouth Plantation. So, um, we'll talk about a few other things here. What, what you should know is that Squanto and the Poconocets taught the pilgrims how to survive um, the winter, how to survive their new life in the new land, taught them how to catch eel, how to grow corn, um, along with other Native American uh, vegetables. Now, we had mentioned that uh, um, about the tensions that existed between Massasoit and the pilgrims because of Squanto. Now, after Squanto died, um, Massasoit himself became very sick. Uh, this would be in March of 1623. Mass- uh, Massasoit was, was on his deathbed. Well, Edward Winslow went to go uh, pay his respects, but he noticed something was wrong. He looked into his mouth and he could tell what was wrong and he was able to fix him. He had some sort of... Uh, um, I, I, I honestly, I don't know what the, if it was a virus, if it was just something that he had to um, clean up his mouth, but he, he literally had to clean his mouth of some gunk. And I got this information from the book, The Mayflower. Um, it saved uh, Massasoit's life. And a lot of other guys were also sick. So uh, he did the same thing to the other uh, members of the tribe. And uh, uh, Massasoit and Edward Winslow would become lifelong friends after this. Now their sons, here's the irony, their sons would be bitter enemies later in life, which is quite unfortunate because, um, you know, Massasoit, after that, he just, he was good friends with the pilgrims after that. Um, He forgot pretty much all the tensions regarding Squanto, forgotten. And they, they were close friends, even when there was a war between the colonists and the Pequots, Massasoit did not side uh, with the uh, the Pequot Indians. So now let's talk about the first Thanksgiving at Plymouth Colony. Um, it happened near Town Brook. Uh, it was either sometime between September uh, or October. Some say maybe even as late as November of 1621. Um, it was a three-day feast attended by 90 Indians and 53 pilgrims. Uh, now William Bradford and Edward Winslow did write about the festival. Uh, they did give they did give some details. Now, this was not the first Thanksgiving in North America or what became the United States. The, uh, the you know the Spaniards and the French they also celebrated Thanksgiving in North America prior to 1621, 
Jamestown held a Thanksgiving in 1607 and even in 1610. Uh, it became a holy day of Thanksgiving to Almighty God. Now, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a very solemn um, meal, kind of like how we have today. There was a lot of games and a lot more. There was drinking involved, of course. So, uh, But it has become kind of a solemn, quiet, um, respectful uh, meal. But back in those days, it was a little bit more fun. Okay, now let's jump to 1636 to 1638, the Pequot War. Now, the Pequot War, the Pequots were a group of uh, Indians that uh, um, they were not too well liked by the other Indians. They were kind of bullies. They bullied their way down to uh, kind of the uh, Connecticut, uh, Rhode Island coastal area. Um, some tensions had uh, arisen. Um, the war with you know the war the Pequot War began. Uh, many of the tribes remained neutral. The Narragansetts remained neutral. Um, Massasoit. Um, now there were some tribes that even joined with the colonists to wipe out the Pequots because everybody hated the Pequots. Um, and the war ended in 1638, where the Pequots pretty much got annihilated. Um, now. War. War, you know, there wasn't all, always war between the Indians and the uh, colonists. They did make attempts to, you know, uh, convert them to Christianity, uh, get them into the church, um, have relations with them. Uh, some of the things, I'll give you an example. The, uh, there was what was known as a general court was established to protect the Indians because the Indians they wanted some of the items that the colonists had. Um, you know, they, the colonists had like uh, metal, steel, iron, which the Indians wanted. So they would start, you know, one of the things they would do, uh, you know, the fur trade was starting to die out a bit because so many fur, so many animals are being captured. And so they were wiping out all the animals. Uh, so the fur trade was kind of going downhill, but land was plentiful. So in order to get like, you know, some of the goods that the colonists had, the Indians were selling lands. Um, they were selling lands all over the place. Now, the pilgrims were kind of wary about the thought that, you know, if they buy up all the land, it's going to cause tensions between the Indians and the colonists. So the general court stated that land could not be sold by an Indian to a colonist without the consent of the general court. Now, this would cause problems later on, but, but we will, we will uh, get into that part again. I know we keep jumping around saying we'll talk about this and talk about that. Uh, but we wanted to let you know about the general court. Now, John Eliot, Christian man, he printed the first book in North America. Uh, it was the Holy Bible, and it was done in the Algonquin language. Uh, the first testament came out, I'm sorry, the New Testament came out in 1661, and then the Old Testament came out two years later. Now, the Algonquins did not have a written language, so um, he had, he had uh, you know, interpreters and translators, and uh, uh, the interpreters would, uh, would tell him what the words were, and so using phonetics, they would write the words down uh, in, the, in the Algonquin language using English letters so that there would be some sort of a written record of what the Bible was, and then they could um, uh, proselytize to the, uh, to the Indians and convert them to the Christian church. Um, now, one of the people, uh, one of uh, John Eliot's pupils was a guy named John Sassamon. He, again, he was a pupil of Eliot, and he became an interpreter and scribe for a man named Wamsuta. Now, who is Wamsuta? He was the firstborn son of 
of uh, Massasoit. Um, now, Massasoit, he had two of, two of his sons. Uh, one was Wemsuda, the other was Metacom. Um, they decided that, uh, that they wanted to have Christian names. So in the spring of 1660, uh, Wemsuda appeared before Plymouth Court to request a Christian name. He was given the name of Alexander. Metacom was given the name, the Christian name of Philip. Um, they did this, you know, again, they, they wanted good relations. Uh, this was, uh, Massasoit wanted good relations uh, between the, the pilgrims and his sons. Uh, now, Massasoit um, had met with uh, his uh, neighbor and confidant by the name of John Brown and his family, and he, he talked to them and, and he requested that, that, that there, and this is his quote, that there might be love and amity after his death, between his sons and them, as there had been betwixt himself and them in former times. Massasoit wanted to make sure that his children and their offspring would always be in peace and friendship with the children of the pilgrims. They thought that it could be the case because, again, Edward Winslow, you know, he, now he had a son named Josiah. They were hoping that Josiah Winslow and uh, Alexander and Philip would, would, be, would remain friends. Unfortunately, that did not happen. Now, Massasoit uh, died in 1661, uh, so his son, Wamsuda, also known as Alexander, became the sachem. Now, he'd mentioned about the fur trade was collapsing due to overhunting by the Indians. Um, so he and his tribe, the way they grew power and money was they started selling land to the, to the colonists. Now, a lot of these lands were purchased without the consent of the general court. So again, it had to be approved. And the reason for that was is that they didn't want the colonists taking advantage of the Indians and buying up all their land. So it was a protection for the Indians. So now Josiah Winslow, uh, he again, he did not like um, Wamsuda, Alexander. So he had him detained. He even pulled a gun on him when, uh, when uh, Wamsuda slash Alexander resisted pulled a gun on him and said, you are coming with me, we're going to go to Plymouth, and you're going to appear before the court. So um, he did. Uh, Wamsuda uh, went to Plymouth. Uh, he was detained. Uh, you know, part of it was because of the unauthorized sale of Indian land, but he died in custody. Very bad move. Um, the, his surviving family, including his brother, Medicom, known as Philip, who then became the sachem, suspected that his brother was murdered. Again, he and Josiah Winslow, the son of Edward, were bitter enemies. Um, it's ironic because Edward and, and Massasoit were such good friends, and here their sons just hated each other. Well, what happened was is that um, uh, there was tension, growing tension, growing tension, and eventually in 1675, um, uh, Medicom Philip started a war it became known as King Philip's War. It lasted from 1675 to 1676. In terms of percentages, it was one of the most um, bloodiest, it was one of the bloodiest conflicts um, for the American people, uh, in terms of percentage-wise, not in terms of total numbers, but percentage-wise. So many, so many uh, col colony, uh, t uh, colonial towns were wiped out. The battles uh, took place in uh, Rhode Island, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Plymouth. Um, it was just, uh, 
you know, and it even involved uh, some of the Mohawks. It involved some of the Mohawks um, uh, in the New York area. So it was a very large war, a very regional war. And in the end, uh, King Philip was killed. So many Indians were killed. And it, it literally just wiped out so many Indian villages. And it, it was a very unfortunate war. It could have been prevented, but there was just, there was just growing tension. You know, the colonials, they wanted more land. The Indians wanted to sell the land, but they didn't want to. They, you know, they thought that if we sold the land, it just meant that, okay, you live there, but that doesn't mean, hey, we can't go and hunt. Now, there were hunting rights, but, you know, you know, at the beginning, the pilgrims, in the, in the first, say, 50 years, they realized, you know what, we needed these Indians and they're our friends. But their children, they did not grow up during the times when, when their parents needed the Indians. They, they, many of them just saw the Indians as kind of a pain in the ass. And why do we have to deal with them? Why can't they just behave like us, you know, grow the land? You know, why are they running around doing the things that they're doing? Um, they figured, you know what, if they just settled like we did, lived the way we did, and everything would be fine. So there were growing tensions. So it... Uh, it was an unfortunate turn of events. You had two different uh, groups of people. One, one was considered civilized, one was considered savage. Um, their lifestyles were completely different. And eventually it was going to cause a clash, and it did. And that's where King Philip's War took place. And, you know, King Philip's War was the first of many colonial wars that took place. Um, you know, the following decade we had the uh, uh, King George's War and... Uh, and then we had Queen Anne's War and King George's War and then the uh, French and Indian War. And then about 100 years later, well, 100 years after the King Philip's War, we had the American Revolution. So and this, was, this was really the start of, of a series of wars that would take place. And the Indians would be involved in, in uh, each and every one of them. But tragedy was that the King Philip's War took place because, again, it was the, the offspring of of what were good friends uh, when Plymouth Colony first started. So now, you know, this is uh, this was the story of the of the Mayflower, the Pilgrims, and the Thanksgiving. Uh, they they went there to for religious freedom. They went there to you know to keep their English identity. Um, they wanted you know to have their own lifestyle to be independent. Um, and, you know, religion was a very important thing, you know. Um, I, I know I'm going to butcher his name, uh, Alexis uh, de Tocqueville. I don't really know how to pronounce his name, Alexis de Tocqueville. I, I don't know, but uh, in his book, um, he wrote that, that on my arrival in the United States, the religious aspect of the country was the first thing that struck my attention. So, so yeah, religion, religion was a big deal back in those days. Uh, you know, that's... It, there were established churches. Uh, religion was a very big deal. It's kind of like uh, if you go to Greece and you look at um, if you look at Greece and you look at the uh, the way the Olympians uh, were were viewed. Um, it was very important. People people prayed to all the different Greek gods. Well, the English, the colon, the colonials, they they were very devout to their religion, to their god, and it had a major impact on their lives. So. Um, 
real quick, uh, in 1691, Plymouth Colony and Maine merged with Massachusetts Bay Colony. So uh, when you look at a map of the original 13 colonies, you will see that uh, Plymouth, Massachusetts, and Maine are all one state, so or one colony, which turned into one state. So, okay, well, that is the story of the Mayflower, the Pilgrims, and the first Thanksgiving within the Plymouth Colony, of course. All right, everyone. Well, I hope that you enjoyed and that you learned a lot from this episode. Now, this coming Saturday night, November 21st, Alan is actually going to do a live presentation discussing the 400-year anniversary of the Plymouth Colony. So you definitely don't want to miss that. That will be up and at them on Saturday night. So don't miss it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as we always like to do, uh, we like to end on a scripture. And this scripture, well, obviously we're talking about new beginnings. That's what the pilgrims were all about. They wanted to sort of start over and do the things that uh, they wanted to do, how they felt that things needed to be done. And so new beginnings, I am going to read off this scripture, Isaiah 43, 19. And it says, behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. And if you if you listen to the this episode or if you've read up or watched any of the struggles and everything that happened with the pilgrims and how difficult it was, like Alan referenced, you know, about half of the pilgrims died that first winter. Uh, just trying to make things happen. God provides a way when there doesn't seem to be a way. Uh, And it's all about new beginnings in this discussion. We hope that you really enjoyed it. And once again, as always, you can find us on multiple platforms. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, a little bit on Twitter, but we really don't mess with Twitter. Um, We're also on YouTube. Go check us out on YouTube. Subscribe so we can hit a thousand, so we can start live streaming. And also... If you haven't yet, leave a rating and review here on your podcast platform, whatever it is, especially Apple Podcasts, because I know that you can definitely do it on that one. And you can check us out online, thesonsofhistory.com. And also you can check out our merch store. I think that that is just about it. Oh, also you can check us out on the Epoch Times. I put out a an article the other day regarding the Constitution, the constitutional crisis that we're in right now with the whole election situation. That's a read that you may want to uh, check out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, we hope that you have a great week and I hope that you are getting prepared for Thanksgiving, no matter what your governor says. All right, talk to you later.